Ted, it's a joy to be with you all tonight. Uh, keep in mind what's uh, coming up this weekend. We've got our, our dear brother, uh, Christopher Alam, who will minister here Sunday morning at 9.30. And then 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, I'm Sunday night, I'm sorry, 7 o'clock Sunday night, that's going to be healing service. And uh, uh, this gentleman is a man of God who uh, ministers all over the world. I mean, places that you may not even know how to spell, he's been to. Uh, places you may not have even heard of, he's been to. Uh, he does large crusades where a whole lot of people get saved and a whole lot of miracles take place. Just good old book of Acts, open your Bibles, read it there, and it's happening today just like it happened then. And that's a beautiful thing. And, and to, to, be, to be blessed with this ministry on a Sunday is going to be a great blessing. So ain't nothing that's too important to keep you away from being here. All right. So we encourage you to get in on the action. And uh, we believe God for, for good things Sunday. And of course, keep in mind everything else that is going on. If you need to catch up, check out our online calendar. Get your bulletin. Keep it on the fridge. Do whatever you got to do. Keep up with what's going on. Amen. All right. You ready for some word? Yeah. Me too. Um, there are certain things as believers you never get away from. <laughs> there are certain things that you just, you need it. And, and you're going to need it again. It's kind of like your broccoli and stuff, you know. It, it, well, you're not one and done with it. There's never a time where, where you know everything there is to know about it. There's always that time when the Lord will stir you up and awaken you and say, you know what, you've slacked off in a certain area or you've just let up or you, you failed to realize the importance of this because it's been a while since you've heard it. And, of course, faith doesn't come by what you heard. Faith comes by Hearing. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about the power of words. Specifically, the power of your words. Oh, my girl's back again. She was a, a model for one of our previous graphics, I guess you'd say. And, and she's so good at it, we got her for this one too. All right. You know, uh, in Genesis 1, after God got through saying, let there be, and there was, let there be, and there was, let there be, and there was, as you read through Genesis 1, then on the sixth day, the let there be was a little bit different. God said, let us make man in our own image. After God just established himself, as a, a speaker, a talker, one who says, and then what he says happens. And when he says something, and what he says happens. So the very, one of the very first ways God established himself is as one who says it. One who speaks forth what his will is. And sees it come to pass. And then the scripture says, he created us in his image and in his likeness. Which is interesting because there's a whole lot of creatures that do not have the ability to do what I'm doing here right now. But we have that ability. Now, there's no wonder that he would have made us that way because the power to make choices, which is certainly what one, of the, uh, uh, what one of the inherent ways that God's made mankind with a free will. It's amazing the connection there is between this and our ability to make choices. 
our ability to be able to say something that we uh, would desire to happen, even something as simple as, please get me that over there, and somebody goes over there and gets that for you. It is the way that you can express your will and your desire, your choices. It's all wrapped up in your ability to be able to speak. Very interesting. Now, Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, just in case you're not smart enough to know which one to pick, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So I see here that these are the choices that are set before you, life, death, blessing, cursing. Those are the main choices that you're making in life. You're either making a choice for life or death, whether you realize it or not. Whether you look at it that way or not, God looks at it that way. Life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose life. And of course, choose blessing too. Now, Proverbs 18.21 is going to reveal that our tongue is really the number one way that we make those choices for life or death, blessing and cursing. And that's why I wanted to read Deuteronomy first before reading this. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. The easy to read translation of that says, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. And then it says, those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. Because what you say is going to bring something back to you. And you got to be ready to accept what it brings. However, you do have some say so over what it brings. Because if you speak life, then it's going to bring some life back to you. And if you speak death, it's going to bring some death back to you. But the thing is, is that if you love life, speak life. If you love life, speak life. I hope there's not anybody in here who loves death. But the Bible does say something about people that love death. And it's in the book of Proverbs. It's um, chapter 8, verse 36. And it's wisdom and instruction is talking in that context, in Proverbs 8, 36. And wisdom and instruction says this, all those who hate me love death. Woo, heavy. That's in the Bible. So if you hate wisdom and instruction, the Bible says you love death. I don't want nothing to do with death. So what do you got to do? You got to love instruction, love wisdom, get it, even if you don't like it, even if you, it's a tough pill for you to swallow, take wisdom, take instruction, don't be stupid. You know, the Bible uses the term, I believe it's over in Second uh, Peter, it talks about men being willfully ignorant. That's dumb on purpose. <laughs> hey, I don't want that. No, I want to be filled with the wisdom of God. I want to be filled with, with, with the, uh, the, the instruction of God. And not just one who has knowledge, but one who's carrying it out and doing it as well. I don't want to be identified as one who loves death. I want to be identified as one who loves life, who's chosen life, and who speaks life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Listen to this. What you love is what you choose. What you choose is what you speak. And what you speak is what you eat. You ever heard that expression about eating your words? A whole lot more truth to that than you ever realized. Because 
It goes out as seed, but it comes back as a harvest. The sower sows the word. We see that principle in the scripture. You know, when Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, the sower went out to sow the word, the word of God. Well, in the same way that the word of God is seed, I want you to know that the words that come out of your mouth are also seed. And I'm going to this early, but I'm going to say it now anyhow. You need to know this, that the, the determining factor of the quality of the seed that you're planting has to do with the quality of its source. And the source of your words are your heart, because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you got good heart, you've got good seed, good words. You've got a heart that's not right, you've got a bad heart, bad seeds. You can control that. And it's interesting that your mouth can be, can work for you in two ways. Glory to God forever. It can work for you in a way of releasing what's already inside of you. But it can also work for you in a way of changing what's inside of you. This is what I mean. Because you can speak the word, and as you speak it, you hear it. And faith comes by hearing, and then that cycle continues. You speak it, you hear it, faith comes by hearing, and so at first you got to say something on purpose because you don't got uh, a whole lot of faith to work with yet. Either that or it's not very well developed. So, you know, uh, you, 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 there may be certain areas where, where you're strong in faith and certain areas where you feel like, oh, uh, that, that firecracker is a dud, you know what I mean? But this is what you do. If you take the word regarding that thing and you speak it and then you hear it, faith comes by what you heard and you get that cycle going at first, you're speaking it on purpose to bring something inside of you. But then you start speaking not necessarily on purpose, but it's just a natural flow of what's inside of you. Because now you've worked hard to get it in your heart in abundance. And now all we got to do is whoop, just squeeze it a little bit. It's coming out. Praise the Lord. That's for somebody tonight. What you love is what you choose. What you choose is what you speak. And what you speak is what you eat. I want to eat good. Talk about eating words. Let's look at these Proverbs. Proverbs 18 verse 20 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. So look out what you speak because you're going to be eating it. Proverbs 12, verse 14. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. Now, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, uh, skip over Matthew 12 since I just referred to that. But, but in that same passage, and I'll let you know where it's at. It's Matthew 12, 33 to 37. That's where Jesus talked about out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. But also in there uh, it is where he made this statement that by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. So the quality of the results that you have at the end have to do with the quality of the words spoken. So here's the thing. If you don't like what's in your heart in abundance, you have the ability to change what's in your heart in abundance. And uh, glory to God, this instrument right here, if you got it in you, you can dish it out with it. But if you don't have it in you yet, you can dish it in with it. Isn't that good? Yeah. Praise God. It is both a means to be able to get the word out of you, but it's also a means whereby you can get the word of God inside of you. Praise the Lord. Now, ain't no way you're going to talk about this subject here without going to the book of James chapter 3. 
So let's go. I know I'm going slow tonight, but that's all right. This is Bible study. It's called Take Your Time. Take the bones out, filleted fish, boneless chicken here tonight. Come on, praise the Lord. All right. James chapter 3, starting with verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now stop right there for a minute. That's an amazing statement. That if anyone does not stumble in word, that means if you've got this under control, that you're a perfect or a mature person and you're able to bridle the whole body. That means if you have problems with what your ears are listening to, If you get this, you can exercise some control over you, what your ears are listening to. Because you can bridle or get under control the whole body. If you get this under control and you're having a problem with what your eyes are looking at, if you can get this under control, you can get these under control. Praise the Lord. If you've got a hand that likes to take stuff, if you're a thief. And someone said, well, but paper clips don't count. Well, don't go there. But if you're a thief and you're taking things with your hand, you won't get your hand under control. The Bible says that if, if you control this, you're able to bridle the whole body. That means your hand too. Y'all ain't going to make me go there, are you? But if you're having a problem with certain organs of your body that always seem to get you in trouble because you're thinking with the wrong, wrong organ instead of this one, if you use uh, the victory that God's given you right here, you can have victory and bridle anything regarding your body. It'll bridle the whole body. And the Holy Bible says it. And that's why we're talking about it. So this has to be important if the Bible says that if you can control your mouth, if you can get to the point where you stop stumbling in word, that you can be mature and you can be in the right position to be able to control your whole body. Glory be to God. That's a good place to be. All right, there, we took a little break right there. We'll keep on reading now. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now, let's stop right there for a minute. A bit in the horse's mouth is pretty small compared to the size of the horse. And yet, that is the means by which you pull that bit one way, you pull that bit the other way, you are controlling where that horse is going. And if he's getting too rowdy for you, you do the right thing with the bit, you can go ahead and calm him down too. You have control over the horse by means of the bridle. You can have this big old ship. And what's the rudder of the ship? compared to the big, massive size of, of, of the, the ship on the sea. But one little move of that rudder, just a finger tap in these days of power steering, praise the Lord. It's not like the old days, you know. But just one, one little movement, and that whole ship's turning. 
You may not be out on the water, but you got a car. Many of you here, and you know what it's like. Just that little nudge this way, you're bearing right. That little nudge the other way, you're going left. And out of something that's small compared to the size of the hole, you are controlling the direction of things. Your words determine your direction. We so desperately need to understand that. And it's amazing if you can, if you can examine somebody and see what, what's been going on with them and where they've been going and, and how's life been for them, you can see that a lot has to do with what they have been saying. You know, it's interesting. Some people get in a very frustrating cycle, and I'll call it like this. You know how Jesus said you can have what you say? The problem is, is that if you're already in the habit of saying what you have, and then you have what you say, then you have what you already have, because you've been saying what you have. Let me say that again. If Jesus said you can have what you say, but you say what you have, then when you say what you have, and then you have what you say, you have what you already had, nothing has changed. Which means that if you want to go somewhere different, start talking different. Don't just say, well, it's always been this way and it's always going to be this way and there's nothing we can do about it. Because that just keeps you there. As opposed to be saying, if God wants me to go there, and he does, because I read it in the Bible, then I'm going there. And nothing's going to stop me from going there. And at that point there, you see God on his throne saying, yes, yes, yes. He's just waiting for you to get there. To realize that you have the ability with this to be able to turn the direction of the ship. And if the ship's been going the wrong direction, get a hold of your steering wheel. (laughs) And change directions. Amen. Come on now. All right, verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison, with it we bless God, our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. You know, when I was growing up in church, people would get to verse 8 and really camp out there and say, that's it. No man can tame the tongue. Dawn, I see you nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. And it's like, well, I guess we're all hopeless then, you know? I mean, it didn't give you a real good feeling. Well, no man can tame the tongue, and that's it. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It goes on to very clearly say, these things ought not to be so. Which means it ought not to be so that you're there helpless and without the ability to tame your tongue. Because glory to God, that's not all there. If that was all there was in Scripture uh, on a certain subject, then you'd have to say, well, that's it. But here's the thing. You want to understand Scripture correctly, you need to take the totality of Scripture and put it all together. Otherwise, you'd be... (laughs) You'd be like the, the, the ones that, you know, said, well, Judas went and hung himself, go and do likewise, and what you do, do quickly, you know? Putting verses together that don't match, obviously. Well, it should be obvious. But the thing is, when you put the Word of God together in context, you realize this, that if you're going to go ahead and look at that verse 8 and say, the tongue can no man tame, 
then what are you going to do with a verse like Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What are you going to do with, with the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the words of Jesus? You know, when, when he said in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then talking about overcoming the world, the Bible also says this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Which means Jesus has overcome the world. You put your faith in that fact, you're a world overcomer too. Now, are you going to be a world overcomer without being a tongue overcomer? That'd be kind of hard to imagine. Well, I I got everything conquered. Praise the Lord. Got every devil out there conquered. Just can't take care of this. So, so you see what I'm saying? That, that wouldn't make very much sense. That's why we need to put the whole word together to get the right picture. So you see, the, the, the tongue can no man tame, but then it goes on to say, this is not a picture of how it is or how it's supposed to be. This is a picture of how it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be that your tongue's out of control or do you have fresh water and salt water coming out the same fountain. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Glory to God, are you with me tonight? So praise God. I was very, very blessed when I found out that that was not a a sentence that we all had and there was nothing we could do about it. We just stuck with the tongue the way it is and it can't improve and you can never tame it. Thank God you can because the untamed tongue is part of the way it's not supposed to be. Which means, by default, that the tamed tongue is part of the way it is supposed to be. Glory to God. Y'all with me? Now, let's talk about words spoken to you. How do the words get their power? Uh, one thing I want you to realize is words get power when you believe them. I'll take this over here with me. Your words have power when you believe them. God's words have power when you believe them. And the words of other people have power when you believe them. Which means if you are in a situation where you've believed something about yourself your whole life because somebody told you it was that way, as long as you believe it, You give it power. Oh, Lord. But the minute you say, I refuse to believe that anymore, and I'm going to go ahead and put my faith on something else, like on the Holy Bible and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans, and so on, you have just put yourself in a situation where now you've given God's word the power over your life. Because you see, I think everybody here in one way or the other, and some of you have come from wonderful homes. Some of you have come from homes that you wish you could forget. But I want you to know that no matter what kind of words have been spoken over you, you do not have to be a prisoner to those words for the rest of your life. For words to have power over you, you've got to believe those words. When you stop believing them, power's broken. Hey. You know, uh, when David showed up to, to the battlefield in 1 Samuel 17, and those of you that have gotten in on Pastor John's Blood Covenant series, you know that he had some fun with 1 Samuel 17. But, but you see, what, what, one of the first things that happened when, when he gets there and expresses his interest in uh, uh, dealing with Goliath, what does Saul say? You're not able to go up against him. Say, you're but a youth, and he's been a man of war from his youth. And then shows up in front of Goliath, and what's he hear there? He said, come on over. I'm going to go ahead and give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So he's got words being spoken to him that he's got the option to either believe or not believe 
But because he believes in the covenant he's got, and he believes in the God of the covenant, and he believes that this uncircumcised Philistine don't have a right to be talking to God's people that way, he's not believing neither what Saul said nor what Goliath said. He's believing the, the word of the covenant. Hallelujah. So therefore, by what he's not believing, he's, he, he's drained out of any power. It has no power. Because the power is only present where you believe. If he, if he believed Saul's words and Goliath's words, he would have given those words power. He would have been a, um, what's the word? He, he would have been a prisoner to you are not able. And he'd been scared. I mean, he'd be having visions of, of him being bird's dinner and eagle's and vulture's dinner that night. So you see that, that's so important. And this is something I really want you to see because this is just a beautiful example of what I'm talking about. And I really believe God wants somebody to be free from the words that have previously been spoken over you that do not in any way agree with God's word. You know, words that have branded you a certain way. Well, you're just this and you're just that and you're just always going to be this and always going to be that. Because see, here's the thing, you may not have believed it the first time, but a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the devil knows one thing, the devil knows that repetition works, and, and to hear something over and over and over and over and over again, you know, uh, that, that's the way that the enemy loves to really drill something down inside of you and get you to believe it that, that way, think it's that way, and, and not have any consideration that it could ever be any other way. First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Scripture says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. I think you all have that one. There you go. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, and that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now, looking up the, the, the Hebrew meaning behind the word Jabez, the, the name Jabez, you, you see three thoughts. You see sorrow, or to grieve, or you see this little phrase spelled out exactly like this. He causes pain. So imagine being under that kind of influence all your life. From the first moment you could go ahead and identify what your name was and what your name meant, he causes pain. And someone say, hey, he causes pain. You're such a pain. His mother called him that. His father called him that. His siblings called him that. The kids at school called him that. Every time somebody uttered the man's name, they were saying, he causes pain. But what did he do? He prayed a prayer. A very specific prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And God granted him what he requested. So those of you who have been in bondage because of words previously spoken over you, this is your way out. Because in the same way, after being called the, 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 the pain causer, the pain causer, the pain causer, Jabez the pain causer. And then he said, Lord, 
I don't want to cause pain. If that's my name, then let this be a case where I don't live up to my name. And God granted him what he requested. And you know what? If you've been called stupid, it's time for you to have that conversation with God. And say, Lord, let's prove them all wrong. <laughs> hey, 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 let's prove them all, all, all wrong. There, there was a time that I, I couldn't spell S-A-T. But, but times have changed now. Praise the Lord. All the things that you were told you couldn't do. All the ways you were branded. Oh, glory to God. Have that conversation with God that says, here we go, Lord, me and you, and I don't want to live up to the way I've been branded. I don't like the way I've been branded. I want to go ahead and see your fruit, your word, your power, your results flowing out in my life, manifesting in my life. That's the way I want my story to end. Glory to God. Praise him. And God's words, even God's words, not just what uncle so-and-so told you or dad told you or mom told you, even God's words only have power if you believe them. Perfect example is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Hebrews 4, verse 2 says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us, as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Imagine people that are hearing the gospel and getting no profit from it. How on earth is that possible? Because they didn't mix any faith with it. No faith in the word, no getting the benefits of the word. No, no getting the power of the word. I mean, the Bible says that in more than one way, Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So who's it the power of God unto? To everyone who believes, which means if you're a believer, you get the benefit of the power. But if you're not a believer, you don't get the benefit of the power, even though you could have heard the gospel. But the only way you get the benefit of the power is to believe it. Your words. Only way you get any benefit out of your own words is if you believe them. Jesus said that. Mark 11. 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Next verse. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. But believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So right there, on all three levels, whether it's what somebody else said, or whether it's what God himself has said, or whether it's what you're saying, if there's no faith in the word, there's no power in the word. Hallelujah. Now, as we go on with this, uh, you know, one, one thing that Proverbs does real well, it can contrast between things. Even in one verse, it gives you one side and gives you the other. It gives you a contrast look. So we're going to go ahead and get a little bit of the contrast between words of death and words of life. You ready? But one thing I want to share with you real quick in personal experience, and I, I, I asked my wife if it was all right to share this. She said it was. I had asked her before, but you know, sometimes you don't know if the permission has an expiration date on it. So, so I, I, I renewed it today. <laughs> but uh, uh, early, very, very early in our marriage, I realized a habit that my wife had and, you know, the, the, something that she was hardly even conscientious of that she was doing. But if something happened that... Then it goes so hot. She would utter these two little words. It figures. Anybody ever did that before? I won't look. Oh, that, that's, that went wrong. It figures. That went wrong. It figures. And one day, something rose up inside of me. 
And, you know, I can be very animated and do funny things. So I think I was at the kitchen table, and I went like this. I said, I, as your husband, am making a declaration. We will never utter those words in our house ever again. God said, for children of God, it don't figure when it goes wrong. It only figures when it's going right. And even that subtle mentality, you know, that's kind of like, well, that's just the way it goes, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just being unlucky, you know. Uh, what's the old country song? If, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know, that kind of way of thinking. Well, that's detestable to God. Victorious Christian living. Come on now. That don't sound nothing like it. So I, th- that was a moment there where, where we made a change. And, and, and I said, we. We together may, may, made an agreement together that we were not going to go ahead and allow that kind of speech or that kind of mentality in our house. Because, you see, that's so downward. You know, it's easy to just go down the stream with the rest of the water and the rest of the fish. I'm swimming upstream, y'all. Come on. Anybody want to come with me? We're going upstream. Hallelujah. So let's look at some of these contrasts between words of death and words of life. But I thought you'd like my little story there. And it's a true story. Those are the only kind we like to tell around here, true ones. <laughs> Proverbs 15. Soft answer turns away wrath. This is verse 1. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Verse 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Look at verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. The heart of the fool does the opposite. If the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, then a fool's lips are going to disperse, disperse nonsense. Let's go ahead and look at some more of these. And uh, we'll kind of summarize these as we go. Proverbs 15.4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 1 Peter 3.10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. All right. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. In Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Can I talk to you tonight? Speaking death will break your spirit and pierce you like a sword. Speaking death will break your spirit. How many have ever felt like your spirit was broken before? It'll break your spirit and pierce you like a sword. And I don't mean the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit will help you. I'm talking about the kind of sword that just flat hurt you and not care about you. But speaking life is a tree of life. Speaking life promotes long life. Speaking life promotes good days. It promotes health and it promotes sweetness to the soul. Words that can actually have an impact not just on your spirit, but but it's sweetness to the soul. It, it has an effect on your emotional well-being and its health. It's good for your body too. The right words. Life-giving words. Let's look at a few more of these Proverbs. Proverbs 21, 23. says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. 
All right? Now, uh, here's another one. You can write this one down. It's Proverbs 18, 7 that says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. That's just an extra one for you. But check this out. This is Proverbs 12, 13 to 14. We got this one for the screen. Actually, uh, yeah, it's, it's just verse 13. Never mind 14. It's only verse 13. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. Did you see that? Yeah. Now, let's do this again. Go back to 2123. And then we'll come back to this one. All right? Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. All right? And then the next one says, the, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. I want you to know that if you talk right, you're going to go ahead and get the best benefit whichever way it goes. And I'm going to say it to you like this. You can either avoid some things altogether. That's where you're kept from trouble. Or if there's trouble that you have to go through, you can go through. That means you make it to the other side alive. Praise the Lord. So think about this. These two scenarios that, that you can either avoid some things altogether, but if you do have to go through it, you do go through it and you survive all the way to the other side and make it through. How is that accomplished? That's accomplished through uh, the right kind of words. When you guard your mouth and you guard your tongue, those are the results that you get. Hallelujah. Now, with the time we have left, we can go a, a lot of different directions. And the sound booth, I just want to let you know, I'm going, probably going to go ahead and uh, uh, skip a few of these here. I'll let you know what I want to hit next. But uh, you can go all through the scripture and you can find very significant uh, examples of doing it wrong and doing it right. You can find lots of examples of speaking words of death. You can find lots of examples of speaking words of life. But the power of words is something that you cannot neglect. As a matter of fact, it is something to be intentional about. To be very intentional about what you say, how you say it, how often you say it. There's some things that you want to say every day and have a habit. They're not a legalistic kind of thing, but just a good spiritual discipline of speaking certain kind of words over yourself, over your family, over your situations all the time. As a matter of fact, I, as I was studying this today, I went back to the, the days when, when my daughter was real little and just learned how to talk. And I, there was a common thing that, that my wife and I would say to her very often at those moments where we knew she could, but she wasn't always doing it. Or she'd point to something. Or point to something and make a noise. Or, you know, do, do some other kind of means uh, of communicating that I want that. But what would me and mama say? We would say, use your words. Hey, use your words. And encourage her to use her words to communicate to us and tell us what she was thinking or what she wanted. Well, I believe that God the Father has a message for his kids tonight. And that would be, use your words. And if you don't know what words to use, the great news is that God's given you his very own word. Use those words. Line up your words with those words. 
As a matter of fact, uh, a, one of the Greek words in the New Testament that describe so beautifully either confess or confession is a word called homologio, which means to say the same thing as. Say the same thing as. Well, it's about time for us as believers to learn this, that if God is God and God is right and God is right about everything and he's always right, that you can't go wrong talking like he talks. And the very meaning of that word, confess, as it is often used in the New Testament, means that very thing, to say the same thing as. Pastor John's been talking about follow me. Well, follow me is not just in what you do. Follow me is following him in what you say. What you say. So, are you ready? What I want to do tonight is we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and stand up and do some speaking. And I want to lead you in a good, healthy dose of the word. And we're going to go ahead and just do that. We're going to say the same thing he says. Ready? Let's do it. All together. Glory to God. And then I'm going to, we'll, we'll go ahead and sit down and finish up service in just a minute. But, but I love having an immediate way of acting on the word. The, the best way to, to keep the thief from stealing the word that's sown in your heart, is get on it and do it right away. So that's what we're going to do. In the name of Jesus, I believe that the word of God is true. Your word is truth. You are the truth. The truth is what will be in my mouth. Continually coming out of my mouth. I will talk of the word when I'm lying down. I will talk of the word when I'm rising up. I will talk of the word when I'm walking by the way. I will ever have your word and your praises continually in my mouth. Jesus, I believe that you're the living word. And I believe that what you've spoken belongs to me. It's mine. It's available to me. And I will ever proclaim every promise, every word as mine. The devil will say, oh, that's for somebody else. You've gone too far, made too many mistakes. But I don't believe his word. I believe the word of God. I will ever believe, I will ever speak, and I will ever stand on the incorruptible Word of God. Now, does that rev up your engine tonight? Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise His holy name.